Do -do -do -do. Welcome to Cop Monologuing. I'm Brian Kunzer. And I'm Meryl Koenig. And so today we have a great new episode. That's right. It's, it's the very best. It's the best one we've ever done so far, really. Yeah, we're at the top of our game right yes. now. Also, it's the first one. Um, but yeah. Details, details. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but pretty much what this is, Cop Monologuing, it's a podcast all about uh, the entertainment industry, pop culture, uh, a whole bunch of fun stuff. So we're going to talk about it. It's generally how podcasts work. That's generally true. And if you are lucky, you might catch us monologuing about some of the stuff. Hey. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so uh, we're just going to start off this show like we're going to do every other uh, show with some news. Um, not too much news to talk about except for one piece of ginormous news. Uh, which is the new Star Wars movie has a name. And a slightly different logo. Only slightly. Uh, so th the new Star Wars movie, uh, Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. I'm very excited. It's been a, uh, it's been lighting up my Twitter feed because everyone... Well, I'm sure it's been yeah. lighting up everything. I mean, I think it's... it's, it's this, this is very important because I think... Star Wars uh, movies need to have a really good name or else they won't turn out well, as you can tell from the prequels. <laughs> I mean, The Last Jedi, the implication there that at least everyone seems to think is that it will, you know, it means that Luke is going to die leaving Rey as the last Jedi. Or as the, as I believe, and I think is the uh, better uh, way to think about it, is Jedi is the plural of Jedi. So it could just be referring to Luke being the last Jedi, and then Rick comes along, and they are the last Jedi, and you know maybe they got some more Jedi friends, and then that group is the last Jedi. So it's, I, I am hopeful. I think, I don't know, I don't want to see uh, another one of the original stars uh, mm -hmm. uh, pass away uh, on screen, um, especially because... Harrison Ford, you know, at the end of episode seven, spoiler alert, I'm sorry. If you haven't seen it, I think, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's your fault. But uh, he, uh, uh, Han Solo uh, leaves at the end of episode seven. I think if Luke were to go, and then also, unfortunately, with Carrie Fisher's passing, uh, it's, I, I think if you just take away all three of those parts, it'll be, it'll be a little bit, might distance itself a little bit too much from the originals and i think just keeping at least something from the originals alive is we'll, we'll keep some of the magic definitely i mean calling it the last jedi though implies there is an, an ending to the jedi well it's um i mean i don't know if you remember but from the uh, title um from the scroll at the beginning of episode seven mm -hmm. um at the very end uh they refer to luke as the last Jedi in the scrolls. So this movie, hmm. the title could just be referring to Luke. It could just be saying, hey, everyone, Luke Skywalker's going to be in this movie. Get excited. Yeah. But it, it could be Rey does something so that she does not end up being a Jedi. I mean, because it, it is known in the Star Wars universe that you can have some of the powers of the Force and not be able to uh, become a Jedi. Or not be able to, but not hone on the, those skills like Leia who she is shown in the movies to have some of these abilities but 
doesn't follow through, at least not to the same extent as Luke does. Yeah. So. I definitely don't want Luke to die, partly, I mean, for all the reasons you said, but also because it would feel too much like Yoda and, you know, him teaching the next Jedi and then dying. You know, one of the critiques of A New Hope was that it was basically... I just did it. One of yeah. the critiques of... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that hits your point exactly. Yes. Yeah. Force Awakens. One yes. of the critiques of Force Awakens. Yes, was that it was too much like A New Hope. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I agree. However, for me, I think the, the, the fact that it was able to harness all of the great stuff about the original trilogy mm-hmm. and put it into a movie is why, personally, I think Episode 7 was my favorite out of all the Star Wars films. Uh, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I I mean, I I I definitely liked episode 7 the most. Uh and I think they were able to capture all of the I think being able to capture all of the stuff from the original uh trilogy and but also making it different enough so I don't feel like it was weighed down by the original trilogy. So, I don't know, that's my opinion. That's All right. This whole podcast is going to be, that's our opinion. Yes, so. that's you know, <laughs> that, that's generally what people do on podcasts. They just kind of scream into the void um, or they get caught monologuing. I did it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to. I'm going to do that at least three more times today, I assume. He's still not sorry. It's, you know, whatever. Um, okay, so uh, time to get to the main news of the day. Uh, this morning, the Oscar nominations were released. Definitely the big news. So we got, what, eight whole nominations for Best Picture? Nine. Nine, nine. nominations for oh, Best wow. Picture. Unless I don't know how to count, but nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. T- wait, did I count wrong? One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, Riveting seven, podcasting eight, nine. Here. Nine. Yes, all of this will be cut out, but that's okay. <laughs> so there are nine nominations, uh, and we will now go through them talk about which ones we think deserve to be there which ones don't uh and which ones should have been so i guess let's start out uh uh well i think the first thing to start off we'll just talk about which ones got in and to do that we're going to play a little game we call the rotten tomato over under game it's my favorite game yes play along at home kids yeah so i think we're going alphabetical order all right arrival so Arrival is one of these films that you have seen. I have seen that one, yes. Um, it's a really great film. Uh, Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, talking to aliens. Forrest Whitaker does his very best attempt at a Boston accent. Um, <laughs> we don't need to go into details about that, but there's a reason he was not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, but Arrival, over, under, 90%. Over. Correct. Over under 95. Hmm. How good do you think Arrival is? I mean, it's not a question of how I liked it. It's how much Rotten Tomatoes liked it. That's a good point. I think I'm going to go with over. I think you're wrong. The answer is 94%. Just under. Just under. However, Arrival, great film. Okay, next up. Fences, Denzel Washington, uh, and Viola Davis uh, recreating the August Williams play. 
Ryan, over under 90. I mean, these are all Oscar films. Yes. I'm going to so guess that it's over I'm 90. going to start with all of these, of the over under being 90. Um, so spoiler, also some of them are below 90, so keep that in mind. Ooh. Uh, just to keep you on the edge of your seat a little bit. <laughs> um, so Fences, you're going over. Oh. That is correct. All right. Uh, over under. 95. Now, I haven't actually seen this film. Yes. It was very good. Now he's just that doesn't to help me out. That doesn't help at all. <laughs> I'm going to go with over again. You were wrong. Actually, I was cheating. Uh, it is 95 exactly. I just figured if I went a little bit under or a little bit over 95, you would know exactly what I was trying to do. Ah. So that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Hacksaw Ridge, next up, Mel Gibson directed uh, about uh, Andrew Garfield as a pacifist during World War II. Is a very violent action movie, but also very powerful. Over under ninety. Over. You are wrong. This is really? under. This seems like such such critic bait, though. Yeah, it, it is very much the premise of the film about pacifists entering war is very much a film that Oscar voters uh, like to see. However, not as much critic bait. Over under eighty five. I'm going to guess over. You are correct. It is 86. 80, wow. Yeah. That was a good movie, but I have more to talk about Mel Gibson a little bit later. <laughs> Next up, Hell or High Water. Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and Jeff Bridges. Uh, it's a heist movie uh, set in the modern day West. Uh, really cool. Really uh, has a cool action cool heist scenes um and it's it's an interesting modern take on a western so i think i think that was really great but ryan over under 90 i'm gonna go with over you are correct over under 95 here's the hard part because i'm a sucker for heist movies i'm gonna go with over you are correct a and... lot of other people are also sucker for heist movies <laughs> hell or high water 98 percent on rotten tomatoes cow. yeah so that that's one of the highest on this list. Uh, not entirely sure how, but it was a great movie, so yeah, I guess it resonated a lot with critics. Next up, Hidden Figures. The story of three powerful African-American women uh, trying to fight for equal rights in NASA uh, when they did not have any. So, over under, 90. And this is a film you saw, right? Yes, this yeah. is also a movie I'm a sucker for because I like space movies and yes. I like movies about people being good at their You job. are a mechanical engineer and one of those, these three women uh, wants to be a mechanical engineer. So you yeah. could, you know, you and Janelle Monet have a lot in common. <laughs> um, so, over under, 90%. Over. That is correct. Over under, 95 Over. Under. No. It's 92%. Boo. I mean, it's still pretty good. I think I would say I would say ninety two is definitely one of the better films this year. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Okay. Next up, La La Land. Currently the favorite for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. uh, stars Ryan Gosling and uh, Emma, Stone. Uh, Emma Stone. Yes. Uh, and in a musical, all about L.A. So, over under. 90%. Over. That is correct. Over, under, 
95%. Still over. Still wrong. What? 93%. La La Land only got 93 Yes. I guess some people are not as big of a fan of musicals. Uh, they prefer normal word. I don't know who these people are, but they are wrong. They are wrong. Yes. Next up, Lion. Uh, one of my favorites about uh, a boy from India who is separated from his family uh, and gets taken all the way to Australia, grows up, and then needs to find his family. So, it's a really great film. Dev Patel gives a great performance. Over, under 90%. Over. Unfortunately, that was wrong. I'm kind of surprised by this. Really? This is one of my favorites uh, of all the nominees this year, but it is under. It is at 87%. That's like such a good Oscar premise, though. It is, and I think it's done really well. Um, But we'll get to that later. Next up, Manchester by the Sea. Over, under 90%. With over, that is correct. And also a little bit of background about Manchester by the Sea. It's about um, a guy who has to take care of his nephew after his brother dies. Um, that sounds like a sad premise, and it is. <laughs> it's a very sad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in the mood to feel sad about stuff, or you know, feel like crying about things. It's probably a good movie for you. Um, it's very, it's done very well, but it is a very sad movie. All right, so you said over ninety percent. Yeah, that is correct. Over under ninety five percent. I think over, but just barely. You are just barely correct. It is ninety six percent. All right, last but not least, Moonlight. Yes, I've heard many good things about this as well. Yes, it is. It is a uh, movie about a uh, African American kid who grows up uh, and becomes a drug dealer. But get this, he's also gay. So it's a really in- interesting premise, and I think is done in a interesting way of taking three segments of this boy's life uh, when he's a little kid, when he's first kind of figuring out who he is. When he's a teenager, once he figured out who everyone is, but he still has to deal with um, all the pressures of being in high school uh, and have everyone bully him because he's different than everyone else. And then him as an adult uh, trying to cope. Uh, try, trying to uh, Now that he kind of has gotten his life together, uh, you know, he's become a drug dealer. He's kind of figured himself, figured out what to do with his life a little bit. Over under ninety percent. Over. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Over under ninety five. Right, I'm gonna break the rules here for a second and okay. say I think I'm gonna guess it was ninety eight. You're gonna guess ninety eight. Is I'm just gonna straight up guess ninety eight. Is there a reason you're guessing ninety eight? Not really. Gut feeling. It's a gut feeling. You're not looking at it on your computer right now. No. Are you sure? Do I need to check? You can if you want. (laughs) Okay. Um, You're right. It's an idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so Moonlight, loved by critics. I think it's a really important film. It covers a lot of really important issues. So now that we know what what all these films are, uh, let's talk about which ones uh, made the cut and which ones didn't. 
So I think coming into uh, this, there were eight films in my mind that were definitely going to get in. Those were La La Land, Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea, Fences, Lion, Arrival, Hell or High Water, and Hidden Figures. I think those were the eight that were definitely going to get in. Uh, and I was right. Uh, of course. Yeah, of course, you know. Uh, then after that, uh, there was five films that I thought had a shot of sneaking into the ninth and tenth spot. Uh, this year it's only nine, so only one of the other five films made it in. But those movies were Hacksaw Ridge, Silence, Jackie, Loving, and Nocturnal Animals. They decided to go with Hacksaw Ridge. Many of those other ones got other nominations as well. Yes, I, all, all of these movies are great movies deserving of you know the praise. However, um, well actually, one of those movies did not get nominated for anything. The Silence... By Martin Scorsese, probably the most acclaimed director out of all of these people, and he came up short completely. Wow! So I that's that threw me through a loop. I I didn't see that coming. Uh, not no best directing nod, no best picture, no acting, no. I didn't see any down down ballot uh, nominees uh, for his film. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, actually, wait, wait, I have an update. It was nominated for cinematography, but, you know. You can stop yelling at your podcast player now. Yes, yes. You do not need to contact the corrections department because we corrected ourselves. Beat you to it. Take that. I'm, so, I'm sorry if I'm being mean to you guys. It's, I'm generally a nice person. I, I, I get enthusiastic about the Oscars. Whatever. Back to, <laughs> back to the point. Um, they put Hacksaw Ridge in instead of... Uh, these other five, instead of the, those other four movies. Um, I saw Hacksaw Ridge. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I have some thoughts that make me feel a little bit weird about it, but we'll get to that when we talk about Best Directing and Mel Gibson there. But uh, I think it it's fine. It seemed like an Oscar bait movie just by the premise of a pacifist going into war and... It did what it set out to do. Yeah. Um, so, Ryan, you have seen La La Land. I have. You have seen uh, Hidden Figures, and you have seen Arrival. Do you think? Uh, do you think any of those are currently gonna win, or any any of those gonna win the award? I think. I mean, I think you said this earlier that La La Land is the favorite, and I have to mm-hmm. second that motion. I mean, it was. From start to finish, it was very well put together. It was very well directed. The actors were great. All it all came together to make a very good movie. You know, I you know, I very much appreciated Hidden Figures. I think it deserves its nomination. Uh, same thing with The Rival, but they just didn't have the the broad appeal and quite as much composition as La La Land did. Well, I would argue that um, Hidden Figures... Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying it'll be La La Land. I also agree. I think La La Land um, will and should probably win Best Picture. Um, but I think in terms of broad appeal, I think Hidden Figures is an American story about three really powerful uh, individuals that, you know, overcame, you know 
really, at the time, impossible odds. Uh, and I think just the story, even if it is a movie about African Americans, I think the movie outside of that is just a really great movie. And I think a movie that, you know, every American would appreciate. Um, I, I, I listened to a podcast yesterday on The Ringer um, with the uh, director and writer, uh, Ted Melfi. Uh, he, and he talked about when he was trying to uh, test out this film, seeing if it would work. He first tried it out in Los Angeles to see how well it would do. It did well. Tried it out again in Los Angeles, but with a more African-American crowd um, to see uh, how they would respond. It did even better. And then just to see how it'll do in smaller markets, he decided to bring it out to Kansas to see if people in Kansas would respond uh, to the film the same way. And funny enough, it did as well as it did in the group with all African-Americans. And that's when he knew that this film would you know, be a success. And I would agree, and I think the boss office agrees too. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's done very well in that case. Um, but I think... Back back to the Oscars. I think the uh, there's really two films right now that are uh, in the running for best film, uh, and that's La La Land and Moonlight. Uh, La La Land is great. Has fantastic music. Really fun. Um, mixed with a good emotional story. Definitely. Um, Moonlight, I think, is a really important film um, about things that definitely should be talked about. I think it's a movie that everyone should watch. However, it's not my kind of movie. I think that... Not that I dislike the movie, but I think that there wasn't really a story that kind of flowed throughout. It was three different segments of this one kid's life. It didn't really... All pulled together. It wasn't like this one kid trying to do something. Um, I mean, just comparing it to Lion. Mm -hmm. um, Lion is two separate stories. It's when uh, this when the kid is a kid, and when the kid is an adult. But it's more cohesive. However, yeah, in in Lion, those two parts are directly related, and like you can see, like when he's an adult, he thinks back to all the time when he was a kid. In Moonlight, it's a little bit more disjointed. And for me, I didn't, I couldn't get invested as much because it kind of felt like I was getting reset every half an hour, 45 minutes, yeah. whenever they switched it up. So, good movie, really important. I think it covers a lot of really, uh, uh, really interesting topics. And I think it's done in a really great way. I definitely see why it should 100% be nominated, but it's not my favorite. So that's why, at least for me, I would give it to La La Land. Now, you said that that Moonlight wasn't really your kind of movie. Yes. Of these nine, which one do you think is your kind of movie? Well, I think of these uh, nine, the type of movie that is probably my type of movie the most would probably be Hidden Figures. And I'm not, uh-huh. I don't think that was my favorite of these movies, but it's the most my kind of movie because I love movies that are fast paced, uh-huh. um, generally happy, mm-hmm. uh, upbeat. And I think Hidden Figures does that the best. I think there's definitely some more powerful moments in a bunch of the other films. Um, uh-huh. uh, but I think Hidden Figures definitely, you know, 
keeps the tone, keeps the energy that I really like. And I think they also cover, there's still suspense, uh, even though they are covering an actual historical event that was successful, we still, in the moment, felt the tension of what was going on and kind of felt. So I think Hidden Figures is probably the most my kind of movie. Okay. All right, so now let's go to Best Director. Now you have some opinions about this. I do. I do. So, for Best Director, um, the nominees are Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Barry Jenkins for Moonlight, Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea, and uh, Denis Villeneuve. I, I pronounce that terribly. Um, I apologize to um, Denis. It's, it's, it looks like Dennis, but I know it's not Dennis. Um, so I apologize to, your, to you and your family for horribly butchering your name. <laughs> um, but I... I tried my best. Uh, and the, the last one is Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Uh, I I saw Hacksaw Ridge, and I thought some moments were really great, especially you know towards the end of the movie. There was a lot of really powerful, uh, r- really powerful moments um, and really well done uh, war and fighting scenes. Yeah. Um, and I have to give Mel props for that. However, I am Jewish, and I have really weird feelings towards Mel Gibson. I think he's incredibly talented, uh, and he knows how to do this. However, I, f- I, it, whenever I, I, I see something of his, it just makes me uncomfortable. Um, yeah. You know, it's he, he had his thing, and he apologized, and I'm not saying... You know, he hasn't made steps to to improve or whatnot, but it still colors your view of him and his work. Yeah, and I and I read some articles um talking about how this film was kind of like his way of attempting to atone for some of the things that he said, some of the things uh that he's done. And I there was like a you know, a Jewish character in the film. Uh-huh. Uh that you know that 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 was a you know good sympathetic you know yeah uh good sympathetic character however it's it it, it i i not that i didn't feel like it was enough i felt like it was a little too forced like i think he's like apologizing but just because he has to not because not cuz he means it not cuz he means it and like what he he had his one apology statement after it happened, and mm-hmm. he seemed sincere in that. But like, more recently, he's like been kind of like, guys, I already apologized. Let's just move on. Not, not like, it, it seems like he's less, like he'd rather just move on from the situation, not acknowledge that it it's happened. He just yeah. wants it to disappear, and I think uh, that makes it weird. And another thing about uh, this movie, Hacksaw Ridge, bringing it back to the film and the reason why we're talking about it uh it's a very um religious film it's about uh about a devout christian who because of his faith um refuses to hold a gun uh Uh and still goes out and into the middle of battle as a medic to help people um and i think kind of how i interpreted it because in the beginning of the film he was persecuted by a lot of the other people in his um, you know, group of soldiers. He like pe- they all wanted him to quit. They didn't want him to, you know, be involved because they thought you know if he didn't have a gun, he'd just be weighing them down. Yeah, and all that stuff. And I felt 
for me, that kind of felt like Mel Gibson saying, look, Christian people can get persecuted too. It's not just Jewish people. And it's, you know. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I, I might be going a little bit too hard on Mel Gibson, and I'm sure, you know, when he's not drunk, he's a nice guy. <laughs> but it's, you know, whatever. Oh, well. So that's that's my take on Hacksaw Ridge. I thought there were a couple other directors that were a little bit more deserving of that award, too. Um, I mean, there were some really great things, but um, I think uh, Garth Davis for Lion, like I mentioned, uh, really great film, and I thought how he played between, um, you know, the character of Saru when he was a kid and, and an adult, the way they make me feel all, of, like, his pain when he's trying to find his family when he is an adult. Yeah. I In that film, more than others, I, I could really feel his pain, and I really sympathized him. I sympathized uh, with the character a lot more, and I think just because of that, I'd probably give him the nomination over... Uh, over Mel Gibson. I mean, also there's Martin Scorsese, who is Martin Scorsese, and might have deserved a nomination because he's Martin Scorsese. But you know, oh well, you know, to each their own. Yeah. So, all right, that was my hot monologue <laughs> on best director. I'm sorry, I did it again. I have two more, and then I'm done for this episode. I promise. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So now let's go to the acting awards. Yeah. Um. So first, let's do. Uh, lead actor you have Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge Ryan Gosling in La La Land Viggo Mortensen in Captain Fantastic uh, and Denzel Washington in Fences so you have seen uh, La La Land uh, and uh, of these films so kind of talk about your opinion of Ryan Gosling in that film I mean he's Ryan Gosling yes uh I was not blown away with his performance. You know, I'm not surprised to see his nomination, but I doubt he's a front runner. Yeah, my opinion of his role, and I, I, I don't think he's the front runner at this point. I'm pretty sure Casey Affleck is the front runner. Um, mm-hmm. but I, th- I thought Ryan Gosling, not necessarily that the role was necessarily hard or. You know, well, actually, he had to learn piano from scratch, so yeah, I, I have to give him points for that. But True. piano playing, a plus, I, yes. But I have to give him just credit. Ryan Gosling was, you know, the smooth, sexy Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. that he is in a bunch of other things, and for that role, it was perfect. I think I give a little bit. I, I definitely give part. Um, I give a little bit of credit uh, for his nomination to the casting department for La La Land because he's just such a perfect fit. And Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the film originally was going to have Miles Teller in that role. Um, and it would have been a different film. It would have been about, you know, younger people. It would also would have had Emma Watson instead of Emma Stone as the female character. Interesting. Yeah, and I think that would have been a very interesting but different movie. Yeah. I think Ryan Gosling, um, in the role that he had, was he, he he was the right person for the role. I don't think I, I don't know anyone else I would change him with. I think he did a really great job. Yeah. Um, but that said, he probably won't win right now. Casey Affleck is the favorite. Um, Casey Affleck uh, in Manchester by the Sea was really good. A little bit one note, just because. 
um, his character starts sad and then stays sad, gets sadder, and then sometimes <laughs> it's a little bit angry, but you know, it's like I said, it's a really sad film. Um, so, you know, I think he, he, he did a really great job in what he was supposed to do. Um, uh huh. You know, but that's yeah. that's that. Uh, Andrew Garfield and Hacksaw Ridge, ex- you know, I think that's also another one note character. He's you know starts as like a sweet, faithful guy, um, and throughout the entire movie, um, something that kind of shows like his character. He stayed that way throughout the whole thing. He stayed, you know, courageous. He stayed. He wanted to help people. He wanted to you know abide by his faith. And I think, you know, he did a great job of that. Um, but again, like the character, I don't really felt went through that much of yeah. that much growth as a character. There's no real character arc for him. Yeah, like he, he he started faithful, and then got beat up, and then he stayed faithful, and then he was yeah. gonna be sent to jail, but then also he stayed faithful when he was there, and then it's yeah, you know, it was like his character like physically went through a lot of ups ups and downs, but like his performance kind of stayed. Yeah, one note. Um, There's also Denzel Washington from yes performance and fences. Now Denzel Washington, I think, would be my favorite to win this role. Really? Yes, because I think throughout fences, Denzel Washington, um, what he does, he plays an angry dad. You know, for the uh-huh. most part, who, you know, who had who well in, in, in the film. Uh, the play has been around for quite a while, so I apologize for spoiling it. Um, but uh, in the play, uh, he plays, a, you know, an angry dad who has an affair with his wife, and and has a child with, um, with, with you know the with, with his mistress, with his mistress. Um, but throughout the the film, I think Denzel Washington had the most range. Uh-huh. There were a ton of moments where he was like playing happy. He was playing the smooth, um, you know. He, he, he was playing Denzel, Denzel Washington. Like, <laughs> yeah. if, if you imagine Denzel Washington at a party, like that's the Denzel Washington you're getting <laughs> in part of the film. And the other part right. where he gets angrier at his son, you, you can tell that you, you can get a lot more of that feeling. But I think the part that that sets him up the well, the, the aspect of this performance that sets him apart is that. At the end of the film, mm-hmm. uh, or close to the end of the film for him, uh, he you know, has a confrontation w- with his son, and like his it, it, his son like always feels like his dad keeps pushing him and trying tries to make him afraid. So like he finally stands up for himself, but that only causes um, Denzel Washington's character to just amp it up even more, and then like he gets to a point where he's almost scary. And, like, uh-huh. he's about to, like, beat his son with a baseball bat. But then he just, you know, mm-hmm. leaves it there. And he's just... Wow. I just in, in that moment, it's... it's you, you, yeah. you could tell, like, oh, that that's why Denzel Washington's Denzel Washington. That's why he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. one of the greatest ever. So that's that's what I have to say about that performance. I, I would say he would be my favorite. or He's my favorite of, of the actors in there, but I think it's... Still probably gonna go to Casey Affleck. One other actor on here that I will admit I do not recognize either the movie or the actor. Oh, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, yeah, we kind of brushed over him uh, because neither of us have seen this movie. Um, I've heard great things. Uh, I heard he gives a really good, compelling performance. 
Um, but I don't really know that much about it. So if it turns out that he... There, there's a chance that I just haven't seen it and he actually gave a fantastic... A Captain Fantastic performance. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> He's still not sorry. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I don't know. From what I've heard, it was good. It was really good, but not, you know, not going to win. So All right. we'll see. All right. On to lead actress. We have yeah. Isabel Huppert uh, from Elle, Ruth Nega from Loving, Natalie Portman from Jackie, Emma Stone from La La Land, and Meryl Streep from Florence Foster Jenkins. Some big names up there. Yes. And also a couple um cu- couple young people that haven't really had that that much time to shine. Yeah. I think in particular Ruth Nega from Loving who um I think up until this point uh was more of a TV uh actress. Um she was in Agents of Shield uh-huh. uh, uh for a while and then she was also on um The Preacher uh as one of the leads in that too and she's also really great in that. So I think for getting a big role such as this and getting a nomination, I think is really great for her. I think she's deserving. Um, it's yeah. great for her. Uh, however, there is one big snub for lead actress and at a one-time favorite. Yeah, Amy Adams uh, from Arrival did not get nominated. It's a tragedy. Is it? It is. Is it really? I wrote down on my notes when I watched Arrival, my very first note is Amy Adams was great. I hope she wins. Oh, well, you know what? <laughs> she won't. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so wh- wh- why why do you think that? I mean... Or why did you think that? Because she's not going to win anymore. Yeah, well... <laughs> the, just, you know, when I was watching Arrival, the, you know, it's a movie about communicating with aliens mm-hmm. uh but they're also communicating mostly over you know through written words they're not talking to each other and even through that you know you could see the depth of her her performance you know mm-hmm. the character struggling with these all these different things and trying to make sense of these weird vision things she's having and you know it was a very powerful and deep performance that I think is one of the main reasons Arrival did very well. Mm-hmm. I would not necessarily agree. Why is that? Um, so I saw Arrival. Another That's another film where I have a couple personal things against it. Uh, and by that... like. And by by personal, I mean, I just mean that I don't really like time travel, and I think it's weird. <laughs> um, I, I think whenever you introduce time travel into a film, nine times or probably a hundred times out of a hundred and one, uh-huh. it gets weird and it gets you know yeah. not great. I think Arrival handles it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that being said, I still got confusing. It still made me feel weird. Like at the end when they like showed like her whole life with her like the fact that it i, I don't know yeah, no, the, i'll agree with you on that the ending and the time travel thing was definitely the weak part of the movie mm-hmm. yeah and well at least for me the part that i remember from her performance is just her just kind of sadly walking around her house uh huh. and you know it's 
and I, I know she like also has a bunch of other ups and downs. Also, this is the film that I saw the longest ago. It's the first that I saw of all of these films. Yeah. But I saw it a while ago, so I don't remember it perfectly. But the part that I do remember, I mean, in comparison to you watching it, I think, yesterday? Two days ago. Two days ago? Yeah. yeah. So I probably don't remember it as well. But the parts that I do remember all seemed, you know, kind of one note. I, I think, thinking back on it, there actually w- was a little bit more ups and downs when she was trying to, you know, the more action when she's trying to convince people to do things and she gets yeah. to do a little bit more and... yeah. Thinking about it again, I I agree her performance was good, but I didn't leave that movie thinking, "Wow, Amy Adams is great." Uh huh. Um, at least not like you did. So, <laughs> oh. so we'll leave that there. Also, congratulations, Meryl Streep. Uh, I think this is her first nominee, right? First time she was nominated. Yeah, yeah definitely first, first time. Or I don't know. That's also uh, in case you were going to contact the corrections department for this. <laughs> don't we know (laughs) she's been nominated for a lot of stuff but yeah um so yeah congratulations to meryl streep for finally getting off the ground um all right and on to supporting actor Mm -hmm. uh we have uh marshall ali from moonlight jeff bridges from hell or high water lucas hedges from manchester by the sea dev patel from lion and michael shannon from nocturnal animals i think Nocturnal Animals is the only one we haven't talked about yet. Yes, that's the first one that wasn't nominated for anything else. And I think this category is actually interesting because in the Golden Globes, um, Nocturnal Animals won for Best Supporting Actor. Really? But it wasn't Michael Shannon. It was Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, who won for a different supporting role. And he's not even nominated. Wow. So. Interesting. It, it, yeah, it's an interesting development of how it plays out. I haven't seen Nocturnal Animals, but I've heard it's a really great thriller. Um, and a really great first directing attempt by Tom Ford. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see it. It's on my list. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, and also apparently the performances are really great in that, too, because, uh, you know, in the Golden Globes, uh, Amy Adams was also nominated for Nocturnal Animals there, so couple nominations not too shabby for your first directing gig not too bad at all so and also he he was tom ford was nominated for best director for nocturnal animals so uh i mean he didn't win for the golden globe but you know he you know for first time around um coming from a prolific career in the fashion industry i think it's not too bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> um all right but that being said uh you haven't seen any of these films right i have not okay so i will give my quick take um uh Marshall ali uh wasn't in Moonlight for that long, but he was my favorite part of that uh, movie. Uh-huh. Uh, he was great. He was he he he, he played a sympathetic um, drug dealer who befriended the uh, boy. Um, okay, you know at the beginning of the film, and like he, it it seemed like he wasn't, or it, 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 like at the beginning it seemed like he was kind of like the scary drug dealer, but then they kind of befriended each other. Uh, and became friends, um, and like he kind of watched out for him. So mm-hmm. um, I thought he gave a great performance. Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water, also amazing. Uh, Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. knows how to uh, play a Western police officer. Yeah, like J- Jeff Bridges played like imagine all the best Jeff Bridges role, except for maybe The Big Lebowski, but like his other like Westerny roles. Um, 
Jeff Bridges is that peak Jeff Bridges in this movie. Uh, he's great. Awesome. Uh, Lucas Hedges, he was fine. I kind of thought in Manchester by the Sea, he plays the uh, nephew of Casey Affleck. Thought he was a little bit annoying, but also it's hard not to be annoying when you're playing a kid whose dad just died. You have to. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, he, he he did have one scene where I I really felt for him where uh he was you know thinking about uh th- the fact that his dad was currently in a freezer and they couldn't bury him because the ground was too cold or what i forget exactly what the details were but uh-huh. uh they had to keep his dad in the freezer until it warmed up um and he opened up the uh the freezer at his home to you know get a frozen yeah. meal or something like that and then he kind of freaked out and i think that I think that that once he might have been why he was nominated because I think that was really good. I, I could sympathize and like I feel like I would. I, I've fortunately for me I've never had to experience anything like that, but I could feel like I would I might act the same way in that yeah. situation. So, I think that was great. Dev Patel, um, I already talked about Lion and how I felt so connected to that character, even though I, um. I, I, I felt like I could really, you know, feel for what the character was going through and feeling the, like, the, the character, or his character at the time in this movie, uh-huh. or at, uh, he was going through a lot. Like, in his mind, he just felt terrible because he left his brother and his mom. And uh-huh. just the pain that he was going through for knowing that uh, his family was experiencing... Mm-hmm. You know, there had been experiencing for so long, you know, that he was missing and all that stuff. I I could really feel I you know it's I don't know if that's the directing or if it was his performance, but I thought that was really great. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are supporting actors. Which one's the favorite? Currently, the favorite uh, is Marshal Ali. Uh-huh. Um, I think he was great. I think he probably will win. Um, I would not mind if Jeff Bridges or Deb Patel won. And also, I haven't seen Nocturnal Animals, so I don't know how to judge Michael Shannon's performance. But also, I heard it was great. So, yeah. Okay, uh, supporting actress. All right. We have Viola Davis from Fences, uh, Naomi Harris from Moonlight, Nicole Kidman from Lion, Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams from Manchester by the Sea. Currently, the favorite is Viola Davis from Fences. She. Like, this is Viola Davis at peak Viola Davis. She, mm-hmm. you know, kills that at all of her scenes. You know, she, she um, as a supporting actress, you're not necessarily supposed to stand out. But yeah. I think, and I don't think she necessarily did in all of her scenes, but, like, she was there enough that you could really feel her presence throughout the entire film, and it was a really great performance. Um, so she's the favorite. I think she'll win. Right. Uh so, have you seen any of these films? So you've seen uh, Hidden, Figures, Hidden Figures, so you can yes. talk about Octavia Spencer. Um, but uh, let me just touch on Naomi Harris first. Uh-huh. Um, in Moonlight, she plays um, the mother of the kid uh, who is a uh, drug addict. Um, and we can see her transformation throughout the film. And I think she also she gives a really great performance. I, you could, you know, it, it's I'm sure it's not easy to play someone going through those physical you know, changes that someone who is currently an addict goes through. And I think being able to Uh portray that in such an effective way uh, worked really well for her. So I thought that was great. 
Nicole Kidman from Lion, she was fine. You know, not, not, not. I don't think as good as the other nominees. And also Michelle Williams from Manchester by the Sea, she was also fine, but I think a little bit too small of a role to, at least for me to, take that much from. But yeah. Octavia Spencer, thoughts? I think you know she was very good. I think in hidden figures. I mean, yeah. she plays the kind of mom figure mm-hmm. of the the group. Yeah. Uh, but she's, you know, sassy and fun, but also, you know, definitely willing to fight. She has a, you know, a great arc where, you know, she steals a programming book from a library so that she can mm-hmm. teach everyone how to, you know, program the IBM machine. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of fun. She does, you know, she kind of brings the, the trio of main characters together, I think, in an excellent way. I, I agree. I think this is another film uh, where Octavia Spencer, uh, where, where the where this actress is at the Octavia Spencer is peak Octavia Spencer. Yeah. In this film, she's you know perfect. Um, n- no offense to Octavia Spencer, she's excellent in this film, and I, I really enjoyed her performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but peak Viola Davis is a little bit better than peak Octavia Spencer in my mind, and I think um, it'll come across. Yeah. I yeah think so. so. So yeah, uh, supporting actress. Um, all right, so those are all the acting nominees. I think next up we should probably talk about uh, the uh, category that's most important for me uh, as a hopeful uh, producer of animated films or TV. Uh, I, re- I I really pay close attention to the animated best animated feature every year. So the nominations this year are Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana. My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, and Zootopia. So, out of these uh, films, I think three, uh, or the three um, English films, three American films, were, I think, a given. Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, and Zootopia. They were nominated for Golden Globes. I thought they were definitely deserving. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two foreign films, My Life as a Zucchini and The Red Turtle. Um... I haven't seen either of these foreign films yet. Um, I am looking forward to watching them, but um, they also got nominated. Uh, my one thought about this category yeah, is that I think probably my favorite, um, or you know, probably the most me film out of all the animated feature films uh, would probably be Finding Dory. Yeah, uh, I love that film. I, you know, I, I may or may not have cried a lot when I saw it, but we all that's did. It's okay. You know, it's that's not important. You know, especially not especially not the third time I saw it. That's <laughs> besides the point. Besides the point. Um, but so I'm a little bit upset that didn't get nominated. Um, but I think the other, the other films are definitely deserving. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not necessarily happy that Sing didn't get nominated. Um, cause, like it did for the Golden Globes. Uh-huh. Um, but I didn't think it was deserving, and I think the other films that got in, in its place were much more uh, yeah. deserving, so. Yeah, no. I'm curious to watch My Life as a Zucchini. Me too. That one it's... just seems particularly, uh, yeah. unique. I mean, worst comes to worst, I'll be hungry after, and... Exactly. You can make myself a nice stir fry, and <laughs> so that, yeah. that, that, that'll be fun. And also, uh, as a huge fan of Pixar, 
while uh, Finding Dory didn't get nominated, I am very happy two of the animated shorts are from, uh, or one of them's from Pixar, and another one is uh, from former Pixar animators. That's Piper, which was the lead into Finding Dory, which is which was excellent. Yeah. Um, and then also Borrowed Time, which is a uh, Western um, short about... Well, you know, I'm not going to say anything about it, <laughs> because I think... You know, you guys should watch it. I think it's really great, and you know, I think you should definitely check it out. I think it's done really well. Um, and this is just like two guys and you know some other animators, and kind of making their own thing. And I think it worked out really well. So mm-hmm. I recommend you check it out. Really cool western, you know, short. So yeah, I think Finding Dory might have suffered a bit because it was a Pixar movie. People kind of expected it to. People went in knowing it was going to have these, you know, powerful emotional moments, and I think maybe it got thought of less because people thought of, or people knew what they were getting into. Well, I would argue that, not because it's Pixar, because Pixar, generally if Pixar produces a great film like this one was, Uh they generally, you know, reward that. However, Finding Dory is very similar to Finding Nemo. And sure. the fact that it's a sequel that takes a lot from the earlier film, uh, I could see why some of those people had those reservations about yeah. not putting it through. But mm-hmm. that being said, um, I, I, did, I thought it was different enough. Um, clearly, the voters thought differently. Uh, and actually, a lot of people thought differently. But yeah, doesn't matter. What's done is done. Um, but yeah. Oh well. So anything else we need to talk about? Um, oh, I wanted to ask you about best original song. Best original song, sure. Yes, uh, because you know, La La Land, Moana. I expected these. I was not expecting trolls. Okay, well, <laughs> here's the thing about trolls. Uh huh. Trolls has the one thing that no other movie has this year. What's that? And that's Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I, I think just that that song, Can't Stop the Feeling, although it probably isn't Justin's best song, um, it's still a really fun song, and I think it works really well in the film. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it's... I'm not mad that it's nominated. It's mm-hmm. a good, fun dance song, and, you know. Yeah. And I, I also think, generally, during the Oscars, the... Um, the songs that are nominated for Best Original Song perform. Uh, and I am looking forward to seeing Justin Timberlake perform. So if that was the reason they nominated him, I won't be bad about that. But That's fair. Yeah. So um, yeah. Is In Trolls, is this more like a, uh, you know, this is one song in the movie, or is this like uh, Everything is Awesome from the Lego movie where it's like the theme for everything? Um, well, this is really one song of the movie because what trolls does um throughout the film they take a lot of uh songs you know from pop culture from Uh throughout history of popular music they take a lot of those songs and they sing them and they perform and and it's you know that works well in that film um but at the end like at the big the climax of the movie uh this song comes in and it just it fits really well with what they're trying to do and i think it works yeah yeah. Um, so I, I have a question for you, as as you are a theater person. Uh oh. <laughs> for adapted screenplay. Uh huh. 
Fences was nominated. Yes. That was a play uh, by August Wilson. I'm pretty sure I said August Williams before because I got him confused with Tennessee Williams. But it's August Wilson, and uh-huh. I corrected myself, so I'm right. Um, <laughs> but I don't see how a play, which is pretty much the same thing as a movie, just without a camera and like a little bit different on the set, I don't really see how that, that's adapted to... Yeah, I mean, I mean that, it I, is different because, you know, they'll do, you know, if you watch a live performance of a play on TV, it's, you know, it has a very yeah. different feel than Fences did. I agree. I, I mean, I think the, the one thing I would have to say is in Fences, especially in the beginning of the movie, it did feel a lot like a play. Like I was watching a play. They had really long takes where um, it was, they were swirling around and. You know, yeah. we could. It, it it felt like a play, but like with a world around it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it, it might just be me, um, but I think t- they took every word. They took every you know thing. Yeah. From they just... from from a play. It, it it seems like it's a little bit easier to adapt a play. Than it is to adapt a book or to adapt a biography or a documentary, oh, and I feel like other movies did that, and I think they deserve a little bit more credit. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I might be wrong. I thought Fences was great, so whatever yeah. Denzel did was fine. So, yeah. I mean, I think it qualifies for this category in that it is a very good movie that is an adapted screenplay. Fair, uh, but in I agree with what you said that you know turning a short story into a full-length you know mm-hmm. arrival is much more difficult than taking a play script and using it for a movie yeah okay all right um so i think two more things that we should cover with um, the oscars one are the big blockbuster films which generally mm-hmm. only go into a couple categories at the bottom of the ballot yeah they mainly visual effects um, so in that, we have Deepwater Horizon, Doctor Strange, The Jungle Book, Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, and Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. So yeah, I, I think th- th- this conversation is probably a little bit bigger than just which one do you think had the best visual effects. However, I will say it's cool that Kubo and the Two Strings, an animated movie, mm-hmm. was nominated for visual effects just because it, it was shot in stop motion. Um, it had a very unique style as well. Yeah. I think it was done really well. That being said, um, it's interesting seeing the, or it just it's an interesting conversation talking about where these big blockbuster movies fall in the landscape of all these other films. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for for example, um, let's take the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be my favorite movie of the last year. Um, uh-huh. It was a really great. Ad, it, was, it was it was a fantastic adaptation of of you know the the other the original kids movie, um, the original Disney movie. And I think the way they brought it into, or the, the, the way they brought it into like a live action with all the visual effects of all the lions and the, all the animals everywhere. Yeah. I thought it was really great. I thought I connected a lot more with this version than the original Disney version with the animation. Yeah. Um, 
I thought it was done really well, so I just wanted to give a little shout out to that. <laughs> but do you feel like a film like that? I, I do you think if if or probably good way to phrase. Do you feel like films like that uh, deserve a chance to kind of be in that be in that bigger conversation? Like big blockbusters. Yeah, the big blockbusters. Yeah. Like I think, I think if Jungle Book was released closer to the deadline, if it was like released in November, it might have gotten more nominations. But yeah, I mean, you're going through this list. Doctor Strange is on here. I could definitely see why that one's there for visual effects. Yeah. I mean, but you know, the other Marvel movie came out. Civil War was, I think, really good movie, and I would have loved to see. You know the Russo brothers on for best director because mm-hmm. I think you know they had a lot to work with and a lot yeah. to cover in, a, in you know one movie and they did fantastically. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they, they did a really great job. It, it just it, it's an interesting thing when you see these films that are so great that a lot of people love, mm-hmm. that critics love, you know, fans love. It's everyone pretty much except for the people voting for these awards because they view the more serious films yeah as as that more serious and i i i don't necessarily know why that would be the case there are a couple of films that kind of you know cross over those th- those walls to kind of break through like i think the dark knight did it yeah um especially with uh heath ledger's performance um you know kids movie like toy story 3 did it yeah um, that was nominated for best picture so yeah. it's I don't know, it's an interesting conversation to have there. Yeah, and wasn't Deadpool was... I mean, Deadpool. it definitely wasn't close to getting there, but it was... Or it wasn't on the list for Best Picture, but it was definitely close. Like it, 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 People thought that it could have happened, and I think it was a long shot, but the fact that it was nominated, uh, and Ryan Reynolds was nominated for Best Actor in, in the Golden Globes, put it in people's mind that it was a possibility, so... Do you think the Golden Globes are more of a, a playing field, like you said, for these big movies as well to get their say? Not necessarily, because I think with the exception of Deadpool, because it is such a comedy, I think uh-huh. that allowed it to do well in the comedy category. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think a movie like Civil War, I don't, you know, it didn't get nominated, although I would argue that it is a better movie. It's significantly less cliche of a superhero movie, but... Yeah. You know, it but it wasn't nominated cuz it wasn't a comedy and you know the it wasn't really a drama either. There I don't I just I don't think there's a place for it to live. There's you no, know, no not, 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 not at the Golden category. Globes and apparently not at the Oscars either. So that is a shame. Yeah. Okay, and last but not least, I wanted to uh, give a huge shout out to Suicide Squad with an Oscar nomination <laughs> for hair and makeup. Um, I don't know if they're going to win, uh, but I have a bunch of friends who worked on that movie. Uh, so I'm really glad that they got a, a nomination, um, and it's really great. So congratulations, guys. Also, I mean, I'm still rooting for Suicide Squad because of Errol here. Yes. But Star Trek Beyond, I'm glad to see, got some recognition. Because yes, that was also a really great movie. Yes. It, 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 I mean, same conversation. It falls into really great movie, but because it's not a comedy, not a drama, not, you know, because it's an action movie, it doesn't necessarily get the uh, awards recognition it deserves. So Yeah. All right. I think that sums up our Oscar conversation. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, 
we're going to keep going like this, talk about some news and talk about a couple other things. Next week, we're not going to talk about the Oscars again, but um, we have a couple cool things coming up soon. Um, yeah. Ryan, do you want to talk about what we got coming up? Yeah, so in the next couple of weeks, we're looking you know, the, the Powerless premieres coming out. We're going to watch that and give you some hot takes on it. Uh, like or, or some cold takes. Maybe some lukewarm ones. You know, yes. Depends on how it is. Yeah. Uh, like a Batman movie, I think we're both very excited for. Extremely excited. Yes. Because after Lego movie, it's kind of... It's, it's definitely... Yeah. And so far, all the trailers, which... I'll, I'll get into my takes about trailers in general <laughs> on a future episode. But so far, from what I've seen about the Lego Batman movie, it looks amazing. Definitely. So... So, yeah, we have that stuff coming up. So, yeah. I also wanted to plug my other podcast, uh, On Set with Errol Koenig. Uh, it's me uh, talking with people in the entertainment industry about the entertainment industry. Um, we kind of learn where they get their starts in, in their career, what they do. I've talked with a bunch of really great people, so make, be sure to check it out. Uh, my latest interview was with uh, Jamie Denbo uh, from the Ron and Beverly podcast. So uh, that was really great. Um, check it out. Finally, if uh, you like this podcast, make sure to give us a good rating. Subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And don't forget to like our Facebook page uh, to stay updated. So thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of Cotton Monologuing, and we will see you next time.